Okay. There's a funny cartoon in which a professor was lecturing to a, a, a big lecture hall, and the next time he comes in, you know, there are half the number of students and the rest of them are, are recorders, and the next time he comes in, they're all recorders, and the last time it's one recorder and a whole room of recorders. Right. Yes. Okay. So, in last week's Sandra, <coughs> we read how Hashem tells Avram to go to the land that I will show you. Avram then goes to Israel, and as soon as he gets there, troubles start, because there is a famine. There's a tremendous famine, and Mufarshim um, say that... Um, the only land in which there was a famine, it was like Yonah in the boat, that when Yonah was, was going, trying to run away, and there was a storm at sea, it was only their boat that was storming, and all the other boats were sailing calm. calmly, that's how they knew there was something wrong. So similarly, this was sort of an avert test to Avram, um, and because there was only famine, and indeed Avram left there, it's and he went down to Mitzrayim, and um, when he comes to Mitzrayim, we have the fiasco with his wife Sarah, where he says to her, I have now become aware that you are a very beautiful woman. And so they devised this plan to introduce her as being his sister. And um, in the end, um, he, she gets taken away. Then she's returned. There's a miraculously, Paru was not able to touch her. And... Um, Oh. Here he is. I told you he's coming. Miraculously, Pyro was not able to touch her, and um, then they give lots of wealth and riches to Avram. This is alluded to in the Mishnah in Pirkei The Mishnah in Pirkei tells us in the fifth chapter that there were ten tests which Avram Avinu was given, and he withstood them. And um, the normative way of understanding the Mishnah is that two out of the ten tests are referred to in this episode, where one test is the fact that he came to Israel and there was a famine, and um, the other was the episode with or, or the yeah with his wife Sarah being taken away. Now the normative way of understanding that, I mean the, the okay well fine. Um, so, so Avram comes to the land and there's a famine. And he leaves the land that Hashem told him to go to. And the Mishnah describes this as having passed the test. And the simple meaning is that he passed the test because he didn't he did not question God who had told him, I'm going to take you, send, go to this land, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to take care of you, over there you'll become wealthy, over there you'll become famous, over there you'll have family. And he comes there and the results couldn't be worse, and yet he does not question God. And um, so he leaves. And it would even seem that it was a good thing for that. That was the correct step for him to take, to leave. Um, and in fact, um, Rashi uses the words that 
he passed the test because he didn't question God who told him to go to Eretz Canaan and now is advising him to leave. Advising him or hinting to him to leave. So the normative way of understanding the Pasuk is that Avram Avinu did not do anything bad by leaving Israel and going to Mitzrayim. He passed the test, but he didn't question God. God was testing him, go to Israel, and then there's famine, and you have to leave. Similarly, when he comes to Mitzrayim and he um, is introducing his um, wife as his sister, first of all, just on his, what does it mean? Why was he suddenly worried that his wife was beautiful? So um, the Baal Shem Tov explains, Rashi says, that he always knew his wife was beautiful, but it, because the verse, the, the Pasuk sounds strange. The Pasuk says, oh, I've just found out that you're beautiful. Like, you've been married for all these years. You just found out. So Rashi says the simple meaning of the Pasuk is that, um, he, um, that, that he, of course, he always knew what his wife, that his wife was beautiful, but now the, what he means now I've found out means now I have to worry, now I have to do something about it. Now this is cause for concern. Um, another chat Rashi says is that, indeed, he didn't know, and now... He, he, he saw her reflection in the water and he saw how beautiful he was and he was very, you know, uh, spiritual and, and not into... The Baal Shem Tov explains that Avram realized that Avram didn't go down to Mitzrayim and a number of Rishonim also say this, that Avram didn't go down to Mitzrayim, the Radak says this, that Avram didn't go down to Mitzrayim with the intention or understanding that doing so would put his wife into danger. The Radak says that when, as he got closer to Mitzrayim, and he realized, and the Mitzrayim explained that the, the, the different uh, climates affect how people look, the, the people in the south are ugly. So, Sarah, that's what they said. So, when he comes down to Mitzrayim, he started noticing how the people around him, all the other people there, were, not, were ugly. Suddenly, he had to worry about Sarah being um, beautiful. The Balshamtav explains it in a more mystical, um, the same idea in a more mystical um, way, that be, as Avram came close to Mitzrayim and the impurity of the of the, of the behavior of Mitzrayim was in the atmosphere. Suddenly, Avram was noticing his wife's appearances, and he was like, "Hold on a second. Why am I, Avram Avinu, noticing these things? It must be because this is the atmosphere of Mitzrayim, and therefore that taught Avram." That told him that this was cause for concern. Um, and that makes the most sense. Makes you know you're about to go somewhere where it's dangerous. You're with your wife. You start thinking, oh, where am I going? Who's in danger? Oh, she's really pretty. I better watch out. Exactly. That makes the most to me. Right. I know. One, one second. I 100. percent That's what many other Rishonim are saying. Now, what about the fact that Avram told the Hashem told Avram, go to the land and I will protect you. I'll bless you, I'll protect you. Why was Avram not relying on this promise of Hashem? So the Rishonim so explain that this is indeed the middah, the way of tzaddikim, that even when Hashem promises them to take care of them, they do not rely on miracles, but they, they, um, they, we find the same thing with Yaakov, that Hashem said to Yaakov um, that I'll take care of you, and nevertheless for Yaakov, because he didn't want, he thought maybe he had already used up his his merits, or he didn't want to have to rely on miracles, whatever the, the various, but the Rishonim give various examples for this idea, that notwithstanding Hashem's promise to take care of the tzaddik, the tzaddik still is extra cautious. 
Um, in fact, in the Sefer Hamaspik, which is a very important work in, in, in Jewish philosophy, I guess, where he talks about the idea of the whole concept of bitachin, and he explains how bitachin is not a contradiction, trust in Hashem is not a contradiction to um, doing, to doing things in a natural means. And so he, not only tzaddikim, everybody. Why ain't tzaddikim? We uh, are supposed uh, no, to I'm not saying rely on miracles. Hold on. No, I'm, of course not. I'm saying even tzaddikim. Oh. But I think the, the element of it that's by tzaddikim is that even though they have um, an explicit promise from Hashem, they don't... But uh, in Sefer Masbik, he, he gives these examples that even though, as an example to, uh, to illustrate that it's important to... It's a good thing that you're recording because I forgot to hit record over here. You have to send it to me too. I'll send it to you too. Um, that even though that even though you trust in Hashem, you still have to do the Gashmistic endeavors to try and um, succeed. And he says that's what the obvious did. We find that Avram said that she's my sister, and Yaakov peeled the, over there the, the sticks to try and create. He didn't just say Hashem will make me wealthy. And yet... That's why he bought a lottery ticket. That's why he bought the lottery ticket. But yet... Um, you can't win if you don't buy one. <laughs> you can't win if you buy one either. <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, but you can win more miraculous if you win by buying one. Yeah. So... Uh, not really. So... <laughs> anyway, so... Um, there's a whole shayla because when the king of Sodom tries to give Avram money, he doesn't take it because he says that he doesn't want the king of Sodom to think that he's the one who made him wealthy. Anyway, so he says, and indeed, there his was paid off, and it says, indeed, you know, Avram did all his ruse to say that Sarah was his sister, etc., etc., and it paid off because in the end, Sarah wasn't touched. They tried to touch her, but they didn't actually touch her, and he came out with wealth. I thought his Pharaoh got a rash. Right. The miraculous rash. But the, but, but, but the, what, the way he says it was that he got the miraculous rash because of Rome, didn't just rely on the miracles because of Rome. However, there is a Ramban. Ramban in Pirushia Latera. Actually, the, man is in, in another, the Ramban says something very strange. Yeah. He says that actually... Avram Avinu over here did two great sins. It was B'Shoigeg. He says it was B'Shoigeg. It was inadvertent. But there were two great sins over here. The first great sin is that he brought his wife into a mixture oven. He brought his wife into this um, dangerous situation of being contaminated. And he should have just trusted on Hashem that Hashem would save her, would protect her. And also the fact that he, even the fact that he left Eretz Yisrael, is your recorder still going? It turned off. Um, even the fact that he left Eretz Yisrael was also, he was told to go to Israel. Why is he leaving just because there's a famine? He should have trusted that Hashem to stay there and that Hashem would, 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 would provide for him even within the famine. Um... This Ramban is also in another place. There's a Drosh, there's a, there's, a, there's a, the Ramban gave a very uh, epic Drosha called in, in Barcelona, and he transcribed it. It's in a booklet called Teres Hashem Tamima, and over there he elaborates about how terrible of a thing it was that Avram Avinu 
um, left Israel and how terrible it was that he um, had this thing of his, pretended that his wife was his sister. And he finishes off that this was, because of this, he was punished that his children were enslaved, his descendants were enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt because the place of the Avera, that's the place where the punishment takes place. Amen. The roundabout really said that. Wow. Isn't that weird? Sorry? Isn't that weird? It's very weird. Why do you think it's weird? I agree. It's weird. I don't know if weird is a good thing, but. You said that they'll be punished. Ramban uh, says that the Avramavinu did the tremendous Aver Bashoigog. That two things. First of all, that he brought his wife to this situation, and also the very fact that he left Israel. He should have just trusted on Hashem in the famine and everything. And because of this, he was punished that his children would be uh, enslaved in the hand of Pharaoh. Um, now, even though it was only B'shoi, it was no inadvertent, we know that we're familiar with the concept that even when somebody does something inadvertently, there is a need for kapara, for atonement, yeah. because they should have been more careful. <coughs> right? That's why it's been carbon. So, Shalom, why do you think it's weird? You mean that he did in so, what the, so Shalom thinks it's weird that to say that Avraham Avinu did an Avera. Yeah, I think the Ramban had a lot of chutzpah to say. You think the Ramban had a lot of chutzpah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so indeed, what you're saying, what both of you are saying is not, uh, I, I hate to break this to you, you're not the first ones to say this. <laughs> um, Good, I don't feel bad. It's not for us to judge why it's him I don't feel bad for what he Okay, very good. So, so let's 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 find out. for us to judge why people get punished and if God punished them or not. Okay, so that's very good. So let's discuss it. But but before before I go into that, I just want to point out that there's a very uh, before regardless of that, there's another very obvious question that there's also a good answer to. But we just have to point it out. What does it mean that Avraham Avinu was punished? That how was I mean? We have to suffer because he. Why should we suffer because he did something wrong, right? But that, but, but that's not what it means. So, so the, it's, it's, it explains in the Rishonim discuss that the Abishnas mitzvahs are perfect. What Hashem does is perfect, and when Hashem causes somebody to suffer for whatever reason, Hashem decides that that's what's ha- what has to happen. Anybody who usually in a normative system, there's a subject, there's a principle of um, what's it called? Some, Collateral damage, is that what it's called? Right? If somebody's if somebody's punished, if somebody gets put into jail, now it's very sad. Now his wife doesn't have a husband and his parents children <coughs> don't have a father, and they don't deserve that. But it's just too bad. Like and human beings can't, right? But Hashem's judgments are perfect, and when Hashem causes any suffering on anybody, all the side effects of that are also exact. So when we say there's two there's two things of it. One is why did the Yidden have to go into Golos Mitzrayim? That's not what we we're addressing here. The Yidin had to go in Golos Mitzrayim, either it was a punishment for something else, or because it was a gzeira that Hashem had, which, which is not something we could understand for a reason, whatever the reason was. Over here, there's sort of this side question. The fact that Avraham Avinu's descendants went into Golos was also somewhat of a punishment to him. So why was he punished that his descendants went into Golos? That's because, says the Ramban, because of... Of, um, of, of of this Avera, which in and of itself, before getting into the whole question of 
how could you say that the Avraham Avinu did an Avera, notwithstanding the fact that it was Peshegad? Uh, um, in Chazal, we also have this question, what was Avraham Avinu punished that his children should go into Galus? And Chazal say other reasons. One reason is because he said, when Hashem promised him the land, he asks for um, sort of a covenant, he asks for guarantee, and he didn't just trust in Hashem's words. And another place, the Chazal say that because he returned the, when he, when he, he, he gave the people back to the king of Sodom, he should have kept those people for himself and um, um, influenced them to join monotheism. Whatever. But the Ramban has here, just a moment, the Ramban has here this um, novel approach that Avraham Avinu did something very wrong over here. Two things. One, that he left Israel, and two, that he put his wife into danger. And um, because of that, he was punished. Yes. Isn't it really because the Shvatim sold Yosef to Mitzrayim? Very good. That they, they were punished, and not Avram, not because. Of That's exactly what I'm saying. That for whatever, the, for whatever reason, Golis Mitzrayim happened. It happened. We're not saying Golis Mitzrayim happened because of this. We're saying that this is why Avram Avinu deserved that his descendants should go into Golis. No, that's like blaming him. You should really blame Mishpatim for something. No, but else. that's why you're thinking in human terms. It, Hashem wouldn't do something that all the repercussions are exact. So they had to go into Golos because of the Shvat, whatever the real, well, that's another discussion, yeah? But, 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 but the fact that, the, that, that he went, that he deserved that his descendants should go into Golos is exact. All right, well, that's the uh, Ramban's interpretation. Okay. So there are a number of questions that the Mepharshim ask on this Ramban. Um, first of all, I was hoping somebody would ask this. How could you say that Avram did something wrong and was punished for it, but he did it again? When he went to Abimelech, in next week's parasha, he does it again. In this week's parasha, Vayera. And not only does he do it again, Yitzchak does it again. Yitzchak, when Yitzchak goes to Abimelech, he also says that Rivka is his sister. Right? So, indeed, so this is one of the questions that the Mepharshim asked on the Ramban. Now, I mentioned to you before that the Ramban writes about this twice, once in his commentary to the Torah and also in his famous speech in Barcelona. And over there, he says that the reason why Avram Avino did it again by Avimelech was because he didn't realize that he was, that, what, that he had done something wrong and that that's why he was punished. And therefore, he did it again in the time of Avimelech. So the Ran, in his commentary in the Torah, he says, Avraham Avinu didn't realize that he was punished, and you do? Like, how's that? <laughs> how's that possible? <laughs> I'm going to say, if Avraham Avinu couldn't figure it out, how could, I, how could you claim to have figured it out? Right? Um, Not only that, other Mepharshim say that Avram Avinu, Hashem loves so much and who was a prophet, why would Hashem not tell him, um, you messed up over there, don't do that again, right? So the many Mepharshim, because of this reason, have um, say how, besides, you, you guys were asking... Also, he passed 10 tests. You want to say that he didn't pass that? Right. So, so that's you are all asking the same genre of questions, which is a very valid point. Like, <laughs> since when do we say that the obvious sinned? But... This is a more fundamental question just in the Pashtus Haksuvim that 
the simple the fact that the Torah tells him, us that he did it and that he did it again and that his son did it and they were all getting it wrong like it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to add up. Um, the Maharal Mitra writes concerning that you're going to like this. Writes concerning this Ramban. Kvar Hikshu of Kushius. This Ramban has already been. Uh, there's been many questions asked in this Ramban. It has been completely and utterly refuted. It's an. It's. It, it, it's. Uh, Thank you. Right. Um, and the Barbanel. So some of, many of the Mefarshim say very extreme um, expressions about the non about the in, invalidity of this particular comment of the Rambam. So first of all, how, how do the Mepharshim, how do we, if we say that Avraham Avinu didn't do anything wrong, so how, how are we to explain it? What, 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 what was his hetter to do all these things? So for example, the, Ran, the Ramban says that it was wrong for him to introduce Sarah as his sister. Presumably the Ramban understood, what the Ramban is essentially saying is that had Avraham Avinu just said that she is my wife, then they would have left her alone. And Hashem, he should have trusted in Hashem, that Hashem would have um, made sure that they leave her alone. But by him saying he's my sis- she's my sister, he's now opening up the door for them to say, okay, she's just a sister. I, he knew the Mitzrayim, Ashatufei Zima, they are a, um, you know, they're, 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 they're a licentious nation. It doesn't matter, he should have trusted in Hashem. Now, uh, so the, the other way... That according to the Ramban, that was his Avera. He shouldn't have been worried. He should have trusted in Hashem. Now, so for so, but the other way to understand it, and I, the Chidor writes this, that Avraham Avinu's Kashmir was like this: either they're going to take her or they're not. In other words, if they're Shatufi Zuma, they're going to take her, whether or not they say she's my sister or wife. It's not, you know, they're not going to. There won't make a difference to them. And if they are Gudurim Bayrois, if they are. Uh, 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 you know, a, a, a upright nation, then they're not going to take her just because I say she's my sister. You don't just take her. And he says, indeed, that's what actually happened in the end, that they took her. They didn't ask, is your wife or your sister? They just asked. Well, later on, in next week, this week's parasha, when he comes to the Plishtim, they ask, your brother, is your wife? Here, they didn't even ask. Avram says she's my sister, but they didn't ask. They just took her. So, because, so, so, so his thinking was, either way, they're going to take her, they're not going to take her. Whether they say my, she's my wife or my sister... Um, that's not going to make any difference. The only difference we'll make is that if I take my, say she's my sister, possibly um, that will save my life. And not only that, possibly it will make me wealthy. Um, and um, it's another thing that, just by the way, the, the Pasuk says, Rashi explains to me that he says, say that you're my sister, and then we'll get two things. One is they'll be good to me, namely they'll give me money. And B, yeah? I just found it in your eyes, my friends are very loud. Yes. Oh, wow, I'm talking about that. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
So either, either the. They're both full. Okay, I'll, it's okay. I could, uh, I'll tone down the. All right, it's a paper wall. Where was I? Yeah. So he says they'll give me money. Um, they'll give me money, and I will remain alive. So two things. First of all, what's so some Mefarshim explain that they'll be good to me and keep me alive. That's one thing. But Rashi says they'll be good to me means they'll give me money. How how does that you know we're we're talking about escaping from famine, saving so it's like they'll give me money. That's what you're worried about. So there's various explanations in Mefarshim, but the Rebbe has a verse in the Sikha that because Avram was so intensely trusting in Hashem. Avraham Avinu said, Hashem says, I'm going to send you to the land, I'm going to make you wealthy. So Avraham Avinu thought that this must be Hashem's way, that how is he going to make me wealthy by, by, by this story. So he, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing it because he wanted the money. He was doing it because he was trying in, in every step of his way to fulfill what Hashem wanted of him. And that's indeed what happened. And that's how Hashem's promise was fulfilled. There's also another thing which relates possibly to what you were saying before, Mark, that there's a medrash that writes that that from the pasuk that, ha- that that they that they said um, introduce yourself that Avram told Sarah to introduce herself as his sister, we learn out that you're allowed to slaughter for for somebody who's dangerously sick, and if pekuach nevesh you're allowed to slaughter an animal for them on Shabbos. Mayor Shanowitz just gave you over uh, oh, Friday night. So the Rebbe in the letter uh, explains, and Yehuda Leibshitz explains. Yeah. That yeah. what's the connection? Is that somebody's sick on Shabbos? So we know that pekuach nefesh is doich everything, but you have to do the you have to go in the in the in the way that's going to violate the least possible the least as possible. You can't desecrate Shabbos if there's a way to do it without desecrating Shabbos. So he says if you have to give the person meat, there's two ways to do it. Either you could go to Jewel and buy non-kosher meat, or you could shecht an animal and make a kosher meat. Now, which one is worse? So on the one hand. <laughs> on the one, on the one hand, no, no, no comment. <laughs> on the one hand, um, on the one hand, um, shechting on Shabbos is a tactical offense. Eating non-kosher meat is just a laugh. It's not, a, it's not as severe tra- as a transgression. On the other hand, if you eat the non-kosher meat, and every bite or every kezayis is another transgression, so it's a cumulative small transgression, whereas shechting on Shabbos is a more severe transgression but you're only doing it once. So that's what we learn out from here. That when they, if they would have thought that Sarah was his wife, they would have killed him. Why would they have killed him? Killing him is much worse than adultery. But the difference is that if they killed him, it was a one-time offense. Right. It, yeah. it was adultery that every time there, the, 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 every time, every time is another act of adultery. So therefore, from from the fact that I've, that the Avram says to say that you're my sister, that they would prefer to kill me rather than do adultery many times, you learn out that instead of giving the sick person kadan kosher meat, you slaughter. Yeah, anyway. if, if they were going to kill him, it was in order to commit adultery. After. No, well, <laughs> no, it's not it's adultery. Both. He's dead. No, once he's dead, it's not, not adultery. adultery he's he's a widow. Dead. Okay. They could have just forced yeah, him. To, you could have just forced him to give a get, and that would have been the end of it. Okay. Additionally. Okay. Don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, 
He didn't kill. He had arranged to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's indirect. Mafia. It's not direct. A mafia hit, right? Yeah. So, so this is so. Again, the title, the Maraman has two questions on Avram's behavior. One is how could he have put Sarah through this danger, and the other is how could he leave Israel. So, concerning the first Taina, how could he put Sarah in danger? So, the simple way of understanding it was that he didn't really think. I mean, he was going. He had to go to Mitzrayim, and now whether or not he sends his wife or his sister doesn't make that big of a difference. Additionally, others add that first of all. Um, the a, a woman, at least uh, a, a, a woman who is being raped, um, need not necessarily give her life for it, and um, especially even and even if she, if she even according to perhaps the opinions that she does definitely before Matan Torah, where they were legally considered Benoyach is not Mukhayev to give up his life even for the what we call the three cardinal sins. Possibly a Benoyach is not Mukhayev to do so. So if the whole concern was that rather that Sarah would be raped, it wouldn't legally it wouldn't have necessarily been something which she was Mukhayev to put herself in danger for. Additionally, another nice word, some Sofa I think says this, that that we know one of the seven laws of Menorah is adultery. They're not allowed to take a married woman. Now, what, what, what makes a woman married or not married? So we know in order to get married, you have to have a Kedushin, and to get divorced, you have a get. If a woman doesn't have a divorce, she's still considered married. That's nowadays. How's it with Benoyach, it doesn't work that way. With Benoyach, there's no formal get that he has to give her. Benoyach means when they get married, meaning they decide to live together and to call each other husband and wife, that becomes, that makes them married. And when they decide not to, so then that makes the marriage fall apart. Um, that's what the Rambam explains in the laws of the seven, and when he discusses the, the laws for the Noahites. So based on this, the Chassam Sefer says that when Avram says, say that you're my sister, he was effectively divorcing her. So, not all, so, so that was the solution. It wasn't just a pretense. It was an actual solution, because now you're just my sister, meaning you're not my wife anymore. Chassam <laughs> Sefer. I think, yeah... Um, the Rebbe in this in one of the sikhs has a similar idea that it was Kibbish Muhammad that if they if they had kidnapped Sarah if a, if the law of Muhammad meaning when a country or government would kidnap her that would that would mean they were confiscating her from him and therefore he has Avram has no Avram Avina has no right over her anymore. Um, I would say that opinion is far fetched, although why there is a saying that Tzadik Goizak has Bokum Mikhaim. So the fact that Avram says you're my sister, he's in effect. No, he's, he's not. There's not. Tzadik Goyzak is a miraculous thing. Here, the Chamsef is saying a legal thing. For Ben Noyach to divorce his wife, what does he have to do? He just has to tell her, You're not my wife. And then he should not his wife. That's it. So he says, That's exactly what Abraham Avinu did. He came to Mitzrayim and he said, You are my sister. You're not my wife, you're my sister. That's yeah, it. He didn't divorced he say, her. Let's pretend? No. Hmm. doesn't say in the Chomish the word pretend. Okay. Um. And then so he because of that technicality, he managed to slip through Avram and, and not uh, do something that's an invader. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing that in the time. Um, now about that, that's a concerning the first uh, complaint of the Ramban about the first thing that he left Israel. So I think the very simple meaning is the, the way many of our. Wait, wait, one minute. Wasn't one of the stories that 
they found out that it was his wife because they were involved in Okay, but it would be a similar question. If if they're divorced, then how could he have relations with her? Of course, so then they'd be married. <laughs> okay, you're not my sister now. You're back to my wife. Yeah. Right, but when we're done, you're going to go back to my sister. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the problem? Okay. Okay, and why did he leave her? That's why he said he was... That's what, two, again, a man has two things. One is that he puts her in danger. The other was that he left. Why did he leave her to Israel? So basically, the simple way, way to understand it is that the Mepharshim explained that it's in Sovak and Tim To say that Israel was a sakon of Adois, it was a definite peril, a definite danger. Um, and in fact, the Akeda writes that even if the, he would have been able to survive the famine because he was so wealthy, um, well, he wasn't wealthy at the time, but even if, even if somehow he would have been able to save the famine because he would have had a miracle or he would have had food or whatever it was, the surrounding people would have ganged up against him, as we find that Yaakov says to the Shvatim, go to Mitzrayim to get food, says, don't, don't, uh, don't show yourselves as being um, better off than everyone else. So anyway, so because of those reasons, he says there was a Sakon of Adonis, there was a definite danger for them to stay in the land, and there was a possible danger for them to go to Mitzrayim. And to the extent that this is basically a halacha, there's a Bryce in the Gemara that says, how do you know um, the way the Mepharshim of the Gemara basically says, how do you know that if there is a famine in, in town, then you have to leave, even if the place you're going to is also possibly dangerous. And the, the, the Gemara brings two proofs. One proof is from the story of Avram. And the other is from the story which we actually read in one of the Haftarists, where there were the four people, there was a famine in the land, and there were four Mitzrayim, four lepers, who said, look, let's go and... Bring, give ourselves into the into the army of Iram, and either they'll either they'll give us food, so then we'll eat, or they'll kill us. So who cares? Well, here, we, here we're for sure going to die. Then we might die. So from those two stories, we see that even when it's uh, well, that when faced with a sakon of Ados, when it, with a definite uh, um, danger, that it's better to um, go to a place where there's a possible danger. Um, so that makes it even more, again, another sort of strengthens the question on the Ramban, that we learn how to halacha, from this story we learn how to halacha, that it's better to put yourself, that if you're faced with an immediate danger, then go, then run away, even if the place you're running to may also be dangerous. And yet, the Ramban says that this was a dangerous, that this was a wrong thing for Ramban to do. But I think that the Ramban, I think that the Ramban over here is, just to make it a, a little bit more sense, uh, make sense to us, the Ramban is not saying we have to do hishtadlus. Yeah, we all know that even though Hashem is the source for all bracha and everything that we have, we have to do hishtadlus. Now, what level of hishtadlus do we have to do? So we find already in Rishonim, there's a very um, well discussed concept that it depends. Somebody who's closer to Hashem has to do less hishtadlus. For example, we find that Yosef was punished for asking the butler to remember him to parry to get him out of jail. Why was he punished? He was just doing his shadows. The answer is that Yosef should have realized that everything that was going on with him was, was supernatural. And he was having such he was having supernatural success in everything that he touched. And therefore he should have realized that in his situation, he doesn't need to do his shadows, he should just rely on Hashem. Now, of course, that's not something that a normal person would be punished for. 
But we know that Hakadosh Baruch Hu Dachlikim Svivov Kuchut Hasara that with Sadiqim, even the slightest, minutest chesaron. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Even the slightest chesaron is something which Hashem um, demands and could exact retribution for. So the similar here, we're talking about that these Sadiqim had that Yosef, for example, had a small avera. The what, the, but because he was Yosef Atadik, he was partner for him. What was that area that he should have realized that in his situation he doesn't even need his shadows? There's a similar story with Baal Shemtev that he went with his Talmudim and he needed to get money to save someone from prison and he just knocked on the door and walked away. And then the guy came running after him and gave him the money. And he said, The Baal Shemtev said, For me, that's the level of his shadows that I need to do. Normal people need to go and knock on the door and wait till he answers and convince the guy to give the money. For me, it was enough to just knock on the door. So yes. Right. So Yosef wasn't relying on miracles and he did his struggles. Very good. I would have thought he said, This is the miracle. He's providing me with this guy. Yeah. You know, so I could see they sent me these guys, there's gonna miracle happen. That's the miracle. Good question. Now the Ramban the Ramban it has a famous there's another famous Ramban, which we've discussed. I don't remember if we discussed that on a Sunday in a different context. The Ramban has a very famous piece about doctors, about seeking medical help. And the Ramban, it's in Parshish B'chukaisai, and at very great length talks about how terrible it is to go to a doctor, and that... Um, uh, uh, one second. And that a from Jew, Ma'al Reifi Beveis Deresh Hashem, he very, very strongly dismisses about doctors. Now, the problem with this Ramban is, first of all, that there are many Gemaras and Halachas about going to doctor, but the bigger problem with it is that the Ramban himself was a doctor. So how could he be t- writing about how terrible doctors are when he himself practiced medicine? So the answer is that there are, there's an ideal over here. The Ramban wasn't, doesn't mean to say that me and you shouldn't be going to doctors. What the Ramban means to say is that when a person is on a proper, an appropriate high level of connection to Hashem, then such a person doesn't need a doctor and he should just rely on Hashem. In other words, the Ramban saw this, had a very dogmatic understanding of this, that as you become closer to Hashem, the level of Hishtadlus that you have to have, the level of your own intervention that you're supposed to do, goes down. And therefore, I'm a doctor because there's many people out there who need to go to doctors. But if you want, really want to be a good Jew and close to Hashem, then, you don't, then you're not going to need doctors at all because you just daven and you see Hashem's providence. And I think that's what he means over here also. Not that, of course, the Gemara says that if somebody's in danger, they're supposed to leave. But Avraham Avinu should have known that he was different. Because Avraham Avinu, he the Ramban clearly doesn't, right? He, he should have known that... Uh, he should have known that for yeah, him. He didn't need to do so many shishadlus. Now, the Ramban himself, by the way, <coughs> also sees the whole idea of Abraham going to Mitzrayim as being very significant. In other words, in our, in our history, this is very significant, and it's not a stira. For example, the Ramban says how we find that the way prophecy works is that there's always there's something that the Navi will do, an act, a deed which that alludes to what the prophecy is about. 
And he says we find this in five elements of the story of Avram going to Mitzrayim. Um, first of all, he left he left Mitzrayim, he left Israel and went to Mitzrayim because of the hunger. That's one. Two. Um, they took away his wife. B th- C three. Hashem gave them punished them with Nevaim, with punished them with with inflictions. Four, they came out of there when they were very wealthy. Five. Sorry, where am I mixing up? I'm saying the let me start again. Five things happened, five pointers in the story of Rome. One, he left because of the hunger. B, they took away his wife. C, um, C, they the Hashem punished them. Four, that Paroi said that, that he left with great wealth. And five that Pari sent people to accompany him. Pari, excuse me, all the Pari Anoshim, Pari sent him people to help him leave the country. Because all of these five things happened to the collective Jewish nation. We went down to Mitzrayim with the Shvatim because, because of the hunger in Israel. We came there and they tried to take away our women, the Chalabas, the Chayon. Then they had the Makas. Then we left with great wealth. And when we left, Parah and his men came to help us leave the country. Sure. No, no, no. Yeah, they left to help us leave the country. Yeah. They wanted us to leave fast. Well, they were like... They wanted to catch us again, but they their presence was a encouragement. No, no, no. they wanted to catch us again. That's later, before. It says that when Parry came... Oh, they drove us out. Right, they drove us out. When Parry comes in the middle of the night with his people and they say, just get out of here. So that's... that's. And afterwards, they were like... The Ramban doesn't talk about that, but he just goes through those five things. Now... So the... the, So, so on the one hand, and Mark, you, you mentioned this before also, you know, that Hashem, why did Hashem, why did the whole story of Yosef happen and his brothers selling him and whatever? Because Hashem wanted them to go down to Mitzrayim. So there's sort of this dichotomy, this, this, this on the one hand, Hashem, it's in today's Tehillim, in Chitas of today's Tehillim. Is there any third time already? Avram went twice, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and Yosef. I mean, this thing with Mitzrayim is really strange. Okay. That Hashem, in other words, the bottom line is, Chassidus talks about this a lot, Hashem doesn't want you to do, to do the Avera, but Hashem wants the result. Hashem wants the Eden to end up in Mitzrayim. Now, this could have happened through an Avera, it could have happened through some other means, but somehow everything is, is part of the, of the divine plan. So in the Ramban, you see this. That on the one hand, he says it was wrong for Avram Avinu to go down to Mitzrayim and to say that his wife was, etc., etc. But at the same time, this worked out as being part of the, uh, the, the, the great plan that Hashem had for the world. Um, I'll just mention another thing. where we, Because the truth is that in Chazal, there are a number of places where it talks about things that the obvious did wrong. Yeah, because Shalom, this is really what was bothering you at the beginning. How could you say that? We find that Chazal say things to, uh, about the obvious, about Moshe Rabbeinu, there are things that they did wrong. Right, so it's interesting you mentioned David because there's a Drushes, there's, uh, there's many shittas about how to understand it. There's a Drushes Haram where he writes that really David HaMelech didn't do anything wrong at all. 
but the ter- but the prophet, the the, the pasuk, and it's some spiritual. I mean, I don't remember. I have to look it up. I don't remember exactly what he says there. But it's, we saw this around years ago. But the the, 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 the the bottom line that he says is that the but the pasuk talks about the way you read it in the Pasha's of Sukkim, It sounds like it was a very horrible story. And he says the reason the Torah writes it, the, the Navi writes it like that, is because the Navi wants it to sound to us like horrible stories to teach us the lesson that even if your person were to do something that bad, they could still do teshuva. So not that David HaMelech did it in the sort of uh, simple way that we, in, in that, that we in our lowly minds could relate to, but the Torah, the Pasuk tells, says it in that way so that we should learn a lesson from it. So there is that element here also. And also in Chassidus also, um, we explain... The, the rabbi explains, well, well, how could it be? That means every element and every moment of the life and every, every, every element of the life was constantly focused only on Hashem like a wagon only does what the wagon driver tells it to do, etc., etc. So how, what does it even mean when you say that the Ovis did a chet? And Chesimus explains that it doesn't mean a chet, it means a chesorin, and it means noira lil al And again, I think a little bit beyond the scope. in general, Yiddish guys like Mashiach, which comes from Tzidoyim. There's no perfection in Yiddishkeit. Mashiach himself, in Gemara, is called a Matzara. Right. He comes from the... And the Hanami, but even, what I'm saying is that even about the others, and Moshe Rabbeinu, we find Rabbi Kiva says that Moshe Rabbeinu said something terrible, as if for a moment Moshe Rabbeinu forgot, that didn't realize that Hashem could provide for the Jews the, all the meat and everything, Right. So whatever this means, and however Chassidus understands it, which is beyond the scope, but even on a very simple level, we do find that Chazal point to flaws in the behavior of the Avis and of other Tzadikim, um, even though, um, yeah, and whatever it means, whether you understand it literally or not literally, and again, that's beyond the scope, but the, the phenomena exists. I think what's unique, somewhat, somewhat unique about this Ramban and I think perhaps this is what was bothering Shalom and Mark, is that usually Chazal say these things. In other words, if it's a Brisa, a Gemara, but for the Ramban, who's a Rishon to say it, is perhaps um, more, um, is, 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 is not common. Mark There's actually, now. what? Yes. Is it time to continue? Or we have to, what time is it? It is uh, another five. Um, okay, I'll just give one other quick example, which I'll finish up with. That there's actually another thing in this week's in the same in Parshas Lecha, also where we find the Radak um, and the Ramban also I think paraphrases this, who criticized Sarah for the way she treated Hagar, and that it was wrong for Sarah uh, to Vatanea. Sarah, Sarah made her suffer. The Radak says perhaps she even hit her, and it was wrong to do so, and because of that. They were punished, and that's why Hagar was rewarded, that she, um, that her offspring were blessed, etc. And it was wrong for Avram and Sarah to do so. Now, not getting into there's the whole... There's another dis- story about that. Yeah, there's different opinions. I'm just saying that there is such an opinion, which again, it doesn't say in Hazal anywhere, it's such a concept that they did anything wrong. But the Rishonim do suggest that. And it's even more surprising that the Rishonim suggested over there for the following reason. What are the halachas of treating a slave? Alpi halacha... A person is allowed to hit a slave. Evet Knani, a person is allowed to hit. But mm-hmm. it's Midas Chasidus not to. Legally, <coughs> if a person owns a slave, they're allowed to hit him if they're not working properly, if they deserve to be punished. But 
but it's midas chasidus is extra piety not to, and this is in the Rambam. This extra midah of piety is associated with the loshon leman that kiedat if Hashem says, I I love Avram leman ashayitzamez bonu vespeisi achrav v'shomul nasistoko mishpat that I I the, Hashem says that Avram I love Avram because he will teach his descendants to act piously. And the, one of the examples of the piety is this idea of being nice to slaves beyond what, you, what, what you're obligated to do according to the law. So it comes out here, it's very striking that the Avram and Sarah are being punished. Sarah is being criticized for the way she treated Hagar, and Avram is being punished for, uh, or criticized for, for having put up with Sarah treating Hagar that way, even though Chazal seemed to imply that it's, um, it was Ruach HaKedosh, etc., but here we find that the Radak and the Rabban criticize him for treating it that way, even though this is the very thing for which we say that Avram is, Hashem loves him because he's pious in this way. So we see that there's a lot, obviously none of the Rishonim are doing this with the intent of speaking bad about the others, but the point is to teach us a lesson in our Bitochen, in whatever the area is, the, 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 the reason that they do it is so that we could learn the lesson from their behavior. Okay, we'll stop here. Yeah. See, Hagar was the daughter of Sarah, right? So she was a very haughty person.